This is Unexpected Beginnings, the neonatal unit. For me, the day she was born was the, the best day of my life. So to celebrate that every year, I know she's not here, but I want to celebrate that. We just felt massive love for, for everyone who cared for her. It was more than just being a doctor and a nurse. It was proper love and care, you know, stroking her head while they're talking to us and, and just, just stuff like that. It was great. Those videos and the photos, they're the most precious moments in, in my life. Hello, I'm Caroline Verdon. And I'm Kerry Bickerdyke. And we've both had our babies on the neonatal unit. Now, most babies... The vast majority of babies who go to neonatal and spend time there go home. But sadly, that isn't the case for everyone. And it would be remiss of us to not talk about that. Dylan and Vicky had their daughter Ruby at the Leeds General Infirmary. And you actually met Vicky when you started doing your volunteer work, didn't you? Yeah, so I'd signed up to become a volunteer and I was nervous about going back onto the unit and the first initial meeting was up on the unit and I didn't want to walk that corridor on my own and even before I went, you know, with the weeks before I could feel the pressure building. Um, so I shared some emails with Vicky and, and we agreed to meet at the um, Costa downstairs and grab a coffee and that we'd go up together. And we sat and we talked and she asked me about Charlie. So I spoke a lot about Charlie. Um, and then I asked her about Ruby and she spoke a lot about Ruby. And then she said, how's Charlie doing now? And I said, oh, yeah, he's fine. Um, he just started nursery, he's fine. And I said, how's Ruby? And she said she didn't make it. And I think at that point I just knew how brave and how inspiring Vicky was going to be because she was very open and honest. She was very full of joy when she spoke about Ruby and now all the volunteering and all the charity work that Vicky and Dylan do, it helps a lot of families and it is all in the name of Ruby. This is Dylan, Vicky and Ruby's story. We were two weeks overdue and we'd gone in to be induced so they tried a few things to bring on birth, but nothing was really kind of happening. So they they, just, they made a call to do a caesarean section. Everything happened so quickly, you don't really get time to process it. And it wasn't until I heard her crying, I thought, okay, right, whew, she's okay. I think it was, yeah, within minutes of, of her being born, really. Um, she was rushed off to, to neonatal. Um, the, the way they sort of put it was, you know, we're going to take her off to neonatal. Uh, she she needs a bit of a bit of help, and we're just going to make sure everything's okay, really. Um, so I kind of thought nothing of it. I'll be honest. Initially, I just thought oh, fine. You now she was breathing, so they were take, taking her for a checkup. I thought really. Mm. Um, even that night, there wasn't any major issues. You know, they were just keeping an eye on her at that point, and um, and I was sort of sending you pictures and videos and mm. and what have you. Um, but it wasn't really till the next day where it, it became serious. I'd stayed up all night. So I was like, right, I'm going to go get some sleep, which I think I managed to get two hours. And then, um, yeah, you were there with my mum, weren't you? And spent yeah. spent the day with her, really. It was just kind of really getting to grips with, like, oh, she's here. You know, um, 
I'm a mum now. Like, wow. Because, <laughs> um, you know, obviously you're pregnant and everything, you know it's going to happen. But when, when your baby's there, it's a bit like, it's a bit overwhelming. So I was just kind of enjoying that, really, enjoying that moment of being with her. It wasn't until I held her in my arms where I thought, okay, oh, wow, now I really feel like a mum. That was when I came back and she took a turn. I remember the doctors <coughs> taking us to one side and because um, we had all your family around. Yeah. Um, and it's a big family. Um, so they were in the, they're in the, on the neonatal ward. I remember one of the consultants saying, you know, she's, she's really very poorly. And, and I can't remember the rest of what he said, but that was when, you know, it really hit home. And, oh yeah you know you feel this weight on your chest and you feel sick and oh there's so many emotions going around because I, I hadn't hadn't even considered that she would be struggling or anything like that yeah I don't think it hit on to me till when I was in the room and she was being intubated and I was like oh right okay yeah mm. this is serious it wasn't upsetting before because she just had the sort of monitors on her. She just looked like a normal kid just with a couple of wires stuck to her. You know, that was it. Um, whereas when, you know, she's got a tube down her throat and, you know, she's, she's been sort of... She was sedated, wasn't sedated. she, as well. You're just a bit like, wow, okay. Mm. Yeah, that's quite, that was quite the, the difficult thing. And then that was a good couple of couple of days like that, you know. Um, yeah, it's tough. Your mum was amazing. I just remember because I had to keep going back to the ward for medication, but I didn't. I didn't want to leave Ruby on her own. So if one of us wasn't there, your mum would be there with her. And she, you know, she what? Yeah, she was just amazing. We, we kind of did it so that I was with her through the night, and Vicky went and got some sleep, and then I went to bed when Vic's got up and my mum normally came around the same sort of time and then once they were there I went home or went to the one of the family rooms and had a had a sleep for a bit um as much as I could and then kept popping back and, and then I had to keep forcing Vicky to go get some rest because <laughs> she obviously like mother's instinct wanted to be there but I was kind of like you know you've got to take care of yourself here as well um and at this point, did they give you any possible outcomes or was it just the fact that, you know, Ruby's not very well? They were doing a lot of tests to figure out what what was wrong. So at this point, they couldn't really give us any answers. So it was a waiting game for a while, wasn't it? Um, it was a couple of days. Um, she was on ICU and then for a few days. And then she... They got her oxygen levels up. She was doing really well. She was moved to HDU, wasn't she? Yeah. So we thought, you know, she's she's going in the right direction. And one of the nurses sort of said, you know, really, you guys really need to rest. Why don't you go home? And that like just wasn't an option for me. I didn't want to go home without my baby. Um, but anyway, we we sort of talked about it. We went home that night. We got a call in the early hours of the morning to say that she'd taken a turn for the worst and she'd be being moved back to ICU. Um, yeah, so we drove, drove straight down. And, um, yeah, it was quite a shock, really, because mm. um, 
we'd had sort of maybe a day or two days of her being on HDU, maybe a bit longer. Um, and family members were able to come in and hold her. Um, you know, so a lot of a lot of the family got their first sort of cuddles with her. Um, we would be dressed there, we bathed there. Yeah, I it's bath amazing. There, but we, 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 we gave a little wash. <laughs> yeah, we washed we her. Wash. Um, but yeah, then to be back in, in ICU and that was really tough. Um, and she was sedated again. Yeah. She had an umbilical catheter, but I don't think they could go in there again. They had to go into the bone in a leg and they were explaining it to me. So they were like, you know, this is this is kind of a bit of a big deal because we only do this in certain circumstances. And then after that, we didn't leave again. Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't leave her. Um, she was on, how many days was she back on ICU for? About another four days. She was sedated the whole time after that. They were, yeah, they were just running loads of tests. Just didn't know what. Did loads of tests, yeah. What was up with her? Um, found out she had a, a clot, wasn't it? So. It was a blood clot, yeah. The clot we found was cutting off blood supply to one of the kidneys. Um, so what the, the consultant had a chat with us about that. I remember thinking, okay, well, maybe she... Has a kidney transplant, or I was thinking, just whip it out, yeah. <laughs> like just whip it yeah, out. Yeah, maybe she only has one kidney, and yeah. we deal with this kidney operation. So you kind of trying to process that information, um, and that was the night, wasn't it? Yeah, so that was like mid afternoon, and it was that night that uh, they turned her to do some tests, and the blood clot moved, and that was it. Mm. I was in one of the rooms expressing yeah. and I got a phone call and they said, sorry to bother you if you've, you're at home. They thought I'd gone home. She said, are you okay to, you know, you should you should come back because she's she's taken another turn. And um, so I just, I mean, I just left everything, <laughs> panicked knocked on the door and then ran into the room. And then that's where I found that they were um, resuscitating her. Um, yeah, absolute. Every parent's worst nightmare. And how do you process that? How do you deal with that? Because having a child is such a huge thing. It's not something that you just prepare for at the time. Your mind constantly takes you to your future and what it will look like. And then you're robbed of that. Yeah, I think I remember leaving, well, (laughs) vaguely remember leaving the hospital and we were driven home by Dylan's parents and just the, it, you just, it's just empty. There's just a really big empty space. Um, and I yeah I mean the last the last few days after that I don't I can't I just don't have any real memories because I think I think my body just went into freeze response 
um I couldn't eat I couldn't I just couldn't leave my bed for a few days um I came out in uh, like a rash on my arms I think from from the shock and it yeah I mean what yeah <laughs> it just you just don't know what to do with yourself um and it's it's you know how do you pick yourself up from something like that <laughs> um it's really difficult it's obviously you know it's really really difficult um and it's very you know being on the neonatal ward is quite isolating anyway um because you know people that you know who are having babies they have the baby they go home they kind of get on with their life with the new baby but when you're on the neonatal ward it's not like that it's a really different experience and it's and it's quite you know isolating um I think one of our friends came didn't didn't he and to see Ruby and he he just didn't realize the gravity of the situation until he he saw Ruby on the ward um so yeah, that that in itself is is one thing to deal with, and then obviously, you know, coming home, what should be a really happy time, is the worst time of your life, and I think for me, I I found it more difficult because people don't know how to respond. People, you know, what what do you say to somebody who's been in that situation? So they don't they don't say anything or they avoid you, and. And and that's really, and you know that's another layer to deal with on top of everything else. And you know, I understand, I understand it. But when you're on the other side of it, it's it's really difficult to to navigate. Grief isn't linear, and losing a child is never something that you're ever going to get over there isn't something to get over you know it's with you always but how have you found people's reactions to that or, or how have you found your own reactions to that you know as as time goes on have people expected you to in inverted commas be better feel better <laughs> yeah I think so definitely um and I think you've just got to give people space um because you know, pe- people might say to you, oh, you know, life goes on or, <laughs> you know, move on. And, and like, yeah, you don't, you don't move on from that. That's not something you move on from. And I, you know, I don't want to, she's my daughter and she's always, um, you know, we celebrate her birthday every year. We go to the park and I love doing that. It's, you know, that for me, when the day she was born was the, the best day of my life. So to celebrate that every year, I know she's not here, but I want to celebrate that. Yeah. That's, you know, why would you not want to celebrate your daughter's birthday? So I think sometimes people don't get it and that's okay. They don't have to. <laughs> um, that's sometimes difficult for other people to understand um, because Obviously, it's a pain, you know, there's painful memories around it, but we don't focus on, you know, we don't think about the day she died, the, the day we lost her. We don't think about the day we, really yeah, all of that. Funeral, anything like that, you know. We don't really focus in on that. We no. just think about the day that she was born and the days after that. And 
with good hearts they might send us a message saying you know thinking of you on this day and I'd rather they just come and celebrate a birthday rather than kind of saying oh you know it's we don't want reminding of that no we have constant reminders every day what would you say to parents or friends who know somebody in this situation talk about the child <laughs> like, yeah um don't be don't be afraid to mention the name um yeah and yes they might they might get upset they might cry just just a lot just make that space for them yeah. make, you know and there's no shame in in crying and it, it might be a little bit uncomfortable for that person but it'll pass it's ask weird. them about the baby yeah because it, it, you know, there's a very small minority of people who go through this, and but everyone loses someone at some point. And you, you know, you, when you go to those funerals, you sort of celebrate life, you, you chat about them, and you do all those things. So why not do the same? And that's kind of how it felt. It's like we don't want to just like forget and you know move on. But yeah, for family and friends and people of, of someone who has lost someone has lost lost a child just don't ask them when they're trying again yeah and don't say oh, oh. you know oh yeah and don't use do the think, word trying do you think you'll try again then like, it's like we, it worked we didn't try it what? worked <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just there's there's be careful about how you approach moving forward and, and growing a family because the terms you use are, can be quite damaging. And and also that's probably the very last thing on some people's minds. Grief is very, very individual. Everyone deals with it in a different way. Some people want to strike, want to, you know, go, try for more children and, straight away yeah, and that's okay. Some people don't, you know, some people want to process their grief and, you know, and, and that's okay as well. There's no right or wrong way of dealing with something like that. It's very individual. Um, I suppose it's the thought that another baby could solve the situation. Like having another child will not change the fact that you have lost a child. They are two completely separate children. Yeah. Yeah, you don't ask someone who's lost their dad, are you going to try and find a surrogate dad? (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly the same. It still amazes me how strong and how determined you both are to um, do your fundraising and everything that you continue to do for Ruby. Does that help you both process and deal with what you've got to deal with? For me, I I was just so angry um just real anger and i was struggling because i was we cried together but like i had my big cries when i was downstairs away from her because i was trying to be supportive of, of vicky and so you know i was everything was sort of building up and i was just getting getting really angry and um 
yeah, I can't remember how it came about. We just chatted one day. I mean, there was no anger towards the hospital. That's this is the thing. There was no anger towards. We've just felt massive love for for everyone who cared for it because of how they did. It was more than mm, they were amazing. It was more than just being a doctor and a nurse. It was it was proper love and care. You know, stroking a head while they're talking to us and and just just stuff like that. It was great. Um, so there was no anger there. It was just anger and. I needed to put it somewhere, um, otherwise I was going to explode. So I think we just had a chat one day and just said, you know, what? Well, why don't we do some fundraising and, and you know, organise an event and, and do it in a name. And then um, it became, right, let's do nine events um, for the nine days. And then it became, let's do nine events each for the, <laughs> for the nine days. Yeah. Um, and we just thought, well, do you know what? Rather than it just being us doing it, why don't we just we've got quite a big network of, of friends and, and people who've been on the ICU who we probably didn't even know about or, you you know, a lot of people who feel the, the pain that, mm. that maybe not the full pain that we went through, but they might have felt part of it. Um, I think certainly for family members because yeah. they've got their own grief as well and, you know, that that's a really, uh, well... I imagine that's a really tricky place for them to be in because, you know, what do they say? How do how do you support them? How do you figure out what you what they need, what that, you know, what we need? Um, but then on top they've got their own grief because they've lost a niece or a grandchild. And so it was a it was a good opportunity that for them to support in in a different way. So yeah, it did help because we we just chucked ourselves into that. And it gave us a bit of focus and it was all in her name and it was all about mm. her. And, you know, she made us, she made us do things that we, you know, <laughs> we thought of doing, you know, yeah. um, just, just ridiculous stuff. I don't know. think I would have run about <laughs> Well, no, no, you're not a runner. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but it's, I mean, it's incredible. I can't think of any other way we would have um, got through to where we are now because, I, I didn't. I didn't really realize it at the time, but going out running, it re, you know, it helped with my mental health. It helped with my fitness. It gave me a routine because obviously my life was a different routine than what it would have been. But I had a routine. It gave me a reason to get up in the morning. It gave me, you know, I had to keep going because we had to raise money and we had to. We had things and goals to achieve and things. Um, I became less numb, I think, as well. Um, so, it, yeah, it just, it was very healing for me. That pain doesn't ever go away. It doesn't get easier. Um, there'll always be this gap. But we manage it by doing things like, running fundraising in in ruby's in ruby's name and for parents who are in the same situation or are facing the same outcome where they are going to have to say goodbye to their child um what advice do you have for for those parents the fundraising really did help us got us fit and stopped us sitting at home and just drinking or doing anything that, you know, all the harmful stuff that you, you want to turn to and sort of self implode, I guess it, it, it brought us back out. Um, 
and I, I'm quite a, an honest, open sort of person. I think a lot of guys struggle to talk, cry, do things like that in front of people. Um, I found talking about it to, to friends made them feel uncomfortable. But when they saw how comfortable I was talking about it, it sort of it helped. Um, so I think I think you, you yeah for me talking <laughs> is a big thing and not bottling it all up and finding because there will be anger and pain finding a way to do something with that that's not harmful to yourself or it's others really yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, it sounds like from from what you've said when you were in hospital with Ruby even before you knew how poorly she was you really made the most of being able to have cuddles with her and being able to celebrate her and celebrate with family and with friends. And I think that's something that can be quite difficult when you're in neonates to feel, you know, this isn't the birth I expected. This isn't what I thought was going to happen. And maybe I shouldn't celebrate. And of course you should. Of course, there's still that joy and that amazing little person. And you know, do you look back on your time with Ruby feeling so grateful that somehow you managed to find that place and you were, through it all, managed to find the the strength and the joy? Yeah, I mean, because we were quite often not there at the same time, um, we'd send pictures and videos and there was, like, I mean, there's, there's, there's <laughs> hundreds yeah. um, and hours of footage and you know, we've we've got it all like first cuddles, both of us first cuddles. Just there was one night she was awake and I was just sat there looking at her. So I popped my phone in and she was just looking at my phone and just had it on record. We've got minutes of her just like just her being, you know, a baby and doing stuff. And I was just sort of tickling her and sort of playing with stuff like that. That you know, it, if I watch those videos, yes. Yeah, nine times out of ten, I'll cry. But I'm, it's happy tears, and like I spent, you know, I really it takes me back to those moments and the pictures and what have you. So yeah. I think if we ever had another child who went onto the ICU, God, I'd, I'd have my phone out constantly, getting, getting as much footage uh, of stuff as possible, just in case. Just because you, you know, those other than your own memories, those are the sort of memories you you, you can just look back on and watch together and. You know. Yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, those videos, the photos, they're the most precious things, the most precious moments in, in my life. And I feel, yeah, I feel very grateful that we had, you know, it was a short time that we had with her, but, you know, I feel really grateful that we had those moments, you know, because some people don't get those. Mm. Um, so we, you know, at least, at least we had, you know, Some nine time. days with her. Yeah. And we did as much as we could with her. Um, whilst at the time you're dealing with lots of emotions, you're angry, you know, you're thinking, gosh, why, what the heck have I done in my life for this to happen? Um, but, yeah, you've, you've got to you've got to look at those things and think I had those 
find out more information on anything you've heard about in this episode, do check out the links in our show notes. Unexpected Beginnings, the neonatal unit, is recorded in conjunction with Leeds Children's Hospital and funded by Leeds Hospitals Charity. As the official charity of Leeds Teaching Hospitals, they support NHS staff to deliver the best care for patients and their families. Generous donations have funded life-saving equipment, research, fellowships and improvements to the patient environment. Every penny donated helps to support the hard-working staff across the hospitals and enhance the experience of patients and their families. To find out more, head to leedshospitalscharity.org.uk. This podcast was created and produced by Under the Mast Creative Audio Productions.